Well, hello, hockey fans, and welcome back once again to the Bees Radio Network podcast, free to air across a variety of great listening platforms. We hope you're enjoying it. Hope you're all keeping well as well. This is episode number 34, which is, of course, great delight to the president and founder of the Roman Malinic fan club because it is his favourite number. Mark Denham, how are we? Hello, Graham. I'm very well. How are you? I'm very well. You're just not going to react. You're holding on to the awards ceremony. Yeah, now, you're just you, just not going to react. Bees Radio Network moment of the season. <laughs> Indeed. Well, you see, we've obviously passed 22, haven't we? So we'll have to stick with that. <laughs> exactly. We passed episode 22 before you mentioned that as well. I'll get And that if we were wondering what we're talking about, of course, last week on the podcast, episode number 33, we did reveal our all-time all-star teams and favourite bleak sector and all that. Uh, plenty of discussion. Don't want to give you too many spoilers, but well worth going back and listening to that episode. If you haven't already, today will probably be a little bit of a shorter episode. Um, still a fair few bits to get through. You say that when normally you say it's a short episode. We normally go on. Oh, I can tell you right now this is going to be a shorter episode. I can feel it. I oh, can okay. feel it already. It's going to be a slightly shorter one this week. Well, thank maybe, you for listening. Maybe, yeah, maybe a little bit of a yeah. bite-sized. And then we'll come back in a minute with episode 35. Um, plenty of bits to get through. Firstly, most importantly, thank you very much, all of you who joined us on the virtual awards ceremony the other night. It was great fun to put that together with Andy Turner and a couple of others also helping out with their uh, skills and expertise to help bring that to life. And I think overall it went down very well, seemed to take off very well as well with uh, nearly a thousand views coming in from YouTube on that. And uh, yeah, certainly it's not ideal. It's not easy to uh, be coming up with uh, content ideas and suggestions like that. But uh, overall, I think it was a quite successful night. I was uh, I was proud to be involved in that. I thought it went down uh, very well and I thought it uh, looked very professional. Even with us involved, it sounded very professional. So I thought it was a, a very good uh, evening's entertainment, I guess, because let's be fair, you know, we would all have liked to have got together and celebrated it and actually given the players their awards. But, you know, got to uh, got to keep yourself safe, got to keep yourself healthy. And we did what we believe was the uh, the next best thing. So thank you for your support and all your views on Friday night. And indeed, I know some people have come back on and viewed it again since on the, the replay. So thank you very much and I hope you enjoyed it. And well done to all the winners. Exactly. A hat-trick of awards for Dominic Gabay, but also Josh Ealy Newman, Adam Goss, Harvey Stead, Zach Milton. And of course, the awards for our Off the Ice staff team as well. And of course, uh, Andy and Kate collecting their award as well. So do go, if you haven't already, do go onto the YouTube page where you can Sit there and catch up with that. You can also go across to Barks and Beyond on Twitter where we're continuing our watch parties. Last weekend, we got some great response to the point that the Newcastle Vipers restarted their Facebook account to get in contact and with claimed them. ownership <laughs> of it as well, didn't they? they come, and watch the, come and watch our Newcastle Vipers watch party. Mm, yeah, not quite the one, that yeah, one. Don't forget to say thanks to the bees. Maybe, don't worry about that. Maybe they also stumbled across that webpage. Because it, well, it seems to be know. quite a popular People thing to do. Yeah. things, don't they? Yeah. yeah, just stumble across things that we've been promoting. Anyway, uh, so last weekend was the BNL Winter Cup final. We're going to roll it on just one season this weekend. It's once again a doubleheader of games because we're going to look at the EPIHL Cup final from the B's first season in the EPIHL in 2005-2006 when they took on the Hull Stingrays needed to get that one right. Nearly uh, got that one wrong. I actually even wrote Pirates down on my sheet in front of me here. Definitely not the Pirates. Was the Stingrays in that era. So, yep, yeah, we got the highlights and the um, the full games from the EPL Cup final doubleheader. That's this weekend on the watch parties. I'm sure there'll be 
many people getting involved. Now, look, I'm going to ask this here because obviously you, you all know our histories in hockey at this moment. But Mark, obviously, 2005, the Bees moved across from the BNL following the collapse of the BNL into the EPIHL, and you were at the Slough Jets. How much excitement was there for finally the Bees and the Jets to be back in the same division again? Do you know what? Like in in Slough, there were rivalries with other teams, but obviously your nearest team is the one that you have the biggest rivalry with. And in that respect, I'd love to see Slough come up. I, I, I don't want to get into the politics <laughs> of any of that, but I'd love to see them come up now and give the Bees a real local rivalry again. But yeah, in order to, to get to play your nearest neighbour again, it was a huge local rivalry, and it would draw one of the biggest crowds of the, the season at Slough for the, uh, the Bracknell game. So much so, I remember doing the fixtures one year. And in Slough, it was always a traditional Saturday home game and the Sunday home games were terrible for crowds you'd get probably a third of your Saturday if you played it on a Sunday and I remember one year two out of the three B's games were scheduled for Sundays and I just emailed back no and that was it uh, and then I got why, why are you saying no and I said well because you have like just decimated two of our biggest gates I mean there was although historically the B's and the Jets have always been within 20 miles of each other They've never really, their paths hadn't really crossed in recent times until the Bees joined the EPIHL. So it was a chance to really stoke up that rivalry with the local rivals. You know, there are people who live in between who are like, no, 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 I don't like Bracknell. No, 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 I don't like Slough. And it really was a chance to stoke up that local rivalry. But the one thing I will say is it was always friendly, certainly off the ice. It was, um, you know... There were some great games in, in amongst the time that the teams were in the same league. There were some great memorable games to enjoy. I do remember one was a midweek game where uh, the, the local power network failed on us. Um, and poor Nigel Boniface, we mentioned him last week. Nigel Boniface was the official and the lights just went out. And the unfortunate thing in Slough with the lights they had at the time, you had to give yeah. them 15 <laughs> minutes before you could turn them back on. So the lights went out and we all waited 15 minutes and I had to come up with 15 minutes of music and that to fill the gap. And we literally got started and we must have played. Nigel dropped the puck. We must have played about 15, 20 seconds and they went off again. And this happened about three or four times until in the end, I think there was maybe four, five, six minutes left on the clock. And we kind of just agreed, let's just run the clock down in the dark and call it a day. Because obviously, I think Nigel probably had another engagement to get to. I was about to say, midweek Nigel was always a good one for a quick game. Midweek Nigel <laughs> with that, delays. That was anything but. But, you know, there were some great games in those uh, times, like in when both teams were in the EPL. And it was all friendly off the ice. You know, there was a lot of banter between the uh, the supporters and that. But it was all friendly. The games on the ice were good. And I think it's healthy rivalry, isn't it? I mean, certainly... There's been a healthy rivalry between Basingstoke and Bracknell, who are now the nearest rivals in the NIHL National. Uh, again, there's a rivalry with Swindon, isn't there, in the, the M4 derby. I think it's great to have these rivalries. And obviously, as you say, like for two teams who are within 20 miles of each other, to be able to have that battle for a few years together in the EPIHL was brilliant stuff. Yeah, certainly they were always the highlight to look forward to. And then certainly... Lots of uh, very happy memories of that time. And obviously, that's that EPL Cup final. A couple of years later, the two sides met once again, wasn't it? It was 07-08, wasn't it, I believe? Yeah. Um, and that one went to overtime as well. And the Bees winning in Slough in overtime. 
from memory as mm. well. So, um, so, so we'll have to we'll have to dig into the archives and see what we can come up with there. But uh, yep, indeed. So that's to look forward to this weekend on the watch party is the EPL Cup final from the Bees' first season in the EPIHL against the Hull Stingrays Saturday and Sunday. Usual times for those ones as well. Um, before we go any further, just want to say about last week's podcast. I mean, we really need to mention this. Um, fantastic listening figures, our biggest since we moved across to the new platform. So really grateful to all of you who are downloading the show. Most of you going via Spotify, but there are people going on Apple, on Deezer, on Intune, and there's a whole wealth of them as well. All we want to say to you on that one is, firstly, thank you very much for your support. Secondly, make sure you're subscribing so each time a new show comes up, it downloads or it appears in your your playlists. And thirdly, if you can, on your platforms, please give it a rating, please give it a uh, a review it just helps with the algorithms on the page a little bit it just makes things a little bit easier for some of the uh, long-term aims we might have from our end on these things as well so thank you for listening if you haven't already please subscribe or please follow or do whatever you need to do on the listening platform that you're on and thirdly if you can leave a review and leave a rating ideally five stars but we can understand if you want to give us something else um ideally a five-star review really would be appreciative from both of us for that Thank you very much indeed in advance for that. While we're talking about last week's podcast, I do have oh, yes. uh, another submission for an All-Stars team. We set the challenge last week. It still stands, by the way, if you would like to have a go at this. Just tweet us at Bees Ice Hockey or go on our Facebook, uh, which is also Bees Ice Hockey. What we were looking for here was your All-Stars team, maximum of two imports, but these have to be players that have been in the team that you have either supported or worked with in the time that you have been involved. So we, uh, we got quite a few last week that we ran through. Graham and I also shared our own as well. We have one speaking, by the way, as we were of the Slough Jets earlier, from Steve English, Director of Operations at the Slough Jets, who's given us his. Now, Steve's only really been involved with one club, so therefore they're all Slough players. In net, Greg Rockman, yep. who is, uh, right. of course, a former B. About right. Uh, in defence, he's got Mindy Kiras and yep. uh, Paddy Ward. Oh, yeah. God, Paddy Ward. Yeah, I mean, there's another sort of long-term uh, stalwart, yeah. dare I say, that you would have wanted on your uh, blue line across the uh, EPIHL. Now, this is where you had a go at me last week, didn't you, for the fact that I reclassified Gary Stefan, didn't you? Yes, I did. I thought you were going to have a say that um, Steve's just picked his friends here. But anyway, let's move on. Well, no, no, no. You <laughs> you had a go at me last week for reclassifying Gary Stefan. We've already had Mindy Kiras, who is an import. Who's he reclassifying then? Up front, he's got supercalifragilistic Darius Bliskauskas. Has he... And I've wanted to say that for years. Yes. I've wanted Goodness to say me. that. Since Darius moved on from Slough, I've wanted to say that. Uh, also up front, he has Steve Moria. Hang on. <laughs> so he's reclassifying Steve Moria on account of the fact that he is now like 30 years old and he's been here a little while. He's reclassified him, I think. But he's reclassified Steve Moria. Uh, and then he completes his forward line with Nicky Chin as well, yeah, who obviously well, you did include indeed. last week as well. And you know what? I felt so, so bad for not including him. But then I thought, I can't include him as a defenseman because it doesn't do justice to his play. No. But the, uh, the team from Steve English there, I think he's been a little cheekier than me in his reclassification. A little bit cheekier, but again, if, you, if you're playing the criteria that you're playing with Gary Stappen, as captain GB, Steve Moria is obviously the most decorated yep. GB captain of all time. So uh, technically, he wins yeah. the points there. Uh, there was actually one that came through on the beta account last week. Hannah F, thank you very much for uh, dropping your one forward. Now, this is what I love as well, okay? We've got to be like, 
obviously, Mark's got many years of uh, expertise to bring to this. I've got slightly less years of expertise to this. Hannah came to us and said, it's hard. I've only been a fan of the club for eight years. It doesn't matter. It's the players that you've watched and it really can encapsulate that long-term era. So for her, for the B, she's got uh, in goal Alex Betham at the back, uh, David Gowachik and Harvey, Harvey Stead. So already you're seeing some of the modern era still with the B's players making it into the team. Forward line, Zach Milton. Again, another current player making it in. Sean Thompson. And I've quite enjoyed this one because you do forget, I mean, for all that there were antics with this guy as a player, you do forget that actually he, he put up the points. Milan Kostarek. Like, yeah. And I, look, I, when I talked about Martin Susters and I, when I put him in my team of the year, I said, I don't like him as a player. I wouldn't, I, I just don't like him. I don't like what he does. I don't like, but I respect everything that he puts on stats. I respect everything he, he achieves. Exactly the same with Milan. I hated Milan as a player. I absolutely I wouldn't want him on my team. But you respected the fact he whacked up the points for the Bees. He put up the points for Milton Keynes and really was a, a bit of a standout player in the EPIHL. There are sometimes, aren't there, just players that really, really do get under your skin. And sometimes those are, annoyingly, the players that are really good. And you cannot knock any of his performances for either Bracknell or Milton Keynes, because he did put up the numbers. And like you, I mean, like we've never discussed this before. Like you, I was never a massive fan of his. But you can't knock any of the performances that he ever put in. So, yeah, he, you know, I think that's a fair inclusion. He was he was a tough competitor, for certain. Yeah. Uh, he was a scorer. And, you know, if you're picking an All-Stars team, that's what you want. Someone who'll compete hard and someone who will bang in the points. And... He did that for Bracknell and for Milton Keynes. Yeah, and it's funny, like when he was at the Bees, I was, I was, it's the word, less concerned with him as a player. That that comes across really harshly. It, it was at Milton Keynes where he really made his his impact for me. As well, I, I just just didn't like him as a player when he was in that Milton Keynes team. I just felt he was, mm. and, and look, they had some great players that year. Peter Horava was one of the best D men in the league for years. It was always. Goodness me! There's your archetypal stay-at-home team. I'm going to do a solid job, uh, and really, and really come to the fore. And it really one of those that you're like, okay. And then Kostarek went there, and it was like, oh god, he, you just know what you're going to get with him. At the beast, he was he was an out, he, again he, the penalty minutes dropped off, and he was much less of a an, an, an antagonizing force. And really, his his players a a player as a player came to the fore. And obviously, it's a shame he didn't finish that season uh, with the bees, moving on to Germany, where he's still playing today still knocking out in the Eintracht uh, Drei Bundesliga. Um, I think that's what they've called it in football, but I don't think they call it in the, the same in hockey, but in the third tier of yeah. German hockey. So still going, a 37-year-old guy, still knocking him in there as well. But uh, yeah, uh, maybe that's the one for next week. What's great for that, though, I think, as you say, Harvey Stead, uh, who is continuing to develop now, and Zach Milton, who continues to develop now. These are guys that were playing for the Bees last season. These are guys that have just won awards as well. And it's great to see them in there. I mean, I know Hannah's saying, like, I've only got a few years, but it's great to see current players ranking that highly as well. Because not only have we seen, like, you know, Harvey Stead have a real standout step-up season this year, where he has become one of the senior defencemen. Uh, and the same with Zach Milton. He's had, you know, another standout year. He's been recognised to play for his country but these are players that we will hopefully be able to go on and watch develop and develop and develop. And if they're making all-star teams already, 
let's see where they are in three, four, five years' time really when point. they continue to develop. I mean, that, I think, is shows the excitement of this team that Doug Shepard has started to to build over the last couple of years. You know, Harvey Stead was already with the Bees and Doug retained him. He's brought Zach Milton in in the middle of the, not season just gone, but the one before. And these are players that are continuing to develop. And I've said it before, Doug Shepard has an amazing record of identifying young talent, nurturing that young talent and giving them not just the opportunity, but Doug also gives them the reassurance in themselves to go out there and do what it is that they do. Young players make mistakes. They know that. Doug knows that. But Doug will always focus on the positive with them. He'll say, look, you know, I think you could have done that better, but it won't be an absolute balling out. It'll be like, you know, you could have done that better, but then you were really good here or here or here. That was brilliant, I thought. Um, You know, to see those young players who are still developing in that All-Stars team already. Let's see where they are. If we rerun this again in maybe three or four years' time. Let's see where they are then. Three or four years, maybe three or four months at this rate. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> I, I was thinking maybe for next week we can come up with a list of those players that got under our skin, um, and maybe that could be a good little discussion point. So players over the years, fans, that got under your skin, that you did not like as a player, but you respected what they put up in terms of points or respected what they put up in terms of what they did for their team. I like mm. that one. Because there's going to be some good discussion points there. So, again, you've still got them all. We want your all-star teams. This is turning into Danny Baker, this is, isn't it? We're just going to have these, this endless list. Yeah. So, we've got your Answers on the yeah, all-star team for last season for performances against the Bees. All-star team in your all-time watching ice hockey. And now we want – it's not a team. It's just those players. It's, it can be one. It can be two. It can be three. It can be endless. Those players that just got under your skin as a fan or someone watching the sport and – as a result, you didn't like them as a player, but you respected what they brought to their team or you respected the points that they put up for their team as well. Mm. Right then, I think we've done pretty well. 17 minutes in and we haven't mentioned the sort of main news of the event. No, we've not. We've not. We've, we've, we've not. Do you want to go? Or I, I? Do you know what? I normally am the one to announce it. I'll let you do it this time. Well, uh, earlier on today, as we record this on a Tuesday, earlier on today, Doug Shepard has made the announcement that uh, Adam Goss will be back with the Bees next season. So that is one of our two goaltenders uh, for next season sorted out. And that, I think, is uh, a big signature signing by Doug Shepard because he took a gamble. Let's make no mistake. He took a gamble last season on Adam Goss, who'd shown great promise uh, throughout his development and then had got the backup gig with the Milton Keynes Lightning in their last season in the Elite League. But Doug took the gamble on him, and he was, let's make no mistake, a little bit of a slow starter last year as he grew into the role of starting netminder. But you could see, even in the first few games, there were flashes of the brilliance that he would then show. He was coming into his own once we turned the Christmas turnaround. He was really coming into his own before then missing out with injury for a few weeks. But since he came back from injury, I would ask you, Graham, since he came back from injury, would there be any other goaltender in the league that you would consider above him if you were picking a team for next season? No, exactly. And you're hitting the nail on the head there, Adam. Look, I, I'm, I've taken, not taken abuse of this. I've had a few comments come about some of the things I've, I've said to a lot at the end of the season about Adam of. It's a real transition year for him. Transitioning from being 
that backup netminder into being a starting netminder. It's hard. It's a real challenge. Uh, and I think people shouldn't be sort of coy about what I'm saying there and sort of trying to think that I'm being a little bit funny about it. It's a, it's a hard role to transition into. And Adam, by the end of the season, and I, I, look, that's even harsher, by 2020, turned into that solid starting netminder. He had the ability to win games by himself. There was absolutely no doubt about that. And I heard some, at times, nonsense comments from people about Adam. Adam has got the talent, and you can see it. And like it came through from Mark Beggs is really positive about Adam as a netminder. Um, and a variety of coaches across the league always say, look, when he's on, you're not going to get much past him. You know to beat the bees when he's on form, you're going to have to put in a good performance. And we saw that as the season rolled on by the end of the year, you so much confidence in Adam and net that radiated through that, as you say, there was probably by the end of the season, you wouldn't want any other netminder in, in net and come the playoffs when you're getting into what is effectively a crapshoot at the end of the season, you've got the ability to just win six games, go on a run. We've got the playoff title sitting in our trophy cabinet. And Adam would have played a huge role in that success. I have no doubt in my mind. So I'm absolutely delighted. He's He's got that full season under his belt. He knows the expectations. He knows what's coming his way now. And he's now going to just turn it in week in, week out of the hive and on the road next season. It's a real positive for the bees that he is back in the net next year. I just want to come back with one other point on Adam as well in a moment. But first, you did mention like winning the playoffs with Adam in net. I would like to say... Congratulations to the TSI World, Bradnell Bees, on winning my virtual playoffs. And in fact, they went through every single playoff game. Like, you know, having squeezed into the playoffs, you know, uh, they went through every single playoff game without even losing a game. It was a shutout every win in my virtual playoffs. And if other teams' fans can do their virtual playoffs and have their own team one, I'd like to say congratulations to mine on winning the playoffs. But on a serious note, coming back to Adam, We've both mentioned that transition year that he's had from being that backup goaltender to being, I think, the form goaltender when the season was curtailed early due to what's going on. Adam was the the one that you would want in net. I think if you could pick out of any of the goaltenders that were playing in the NIHL National by the end of the season and you had to pick one of them, I reckon you would grab Adam for your team. The other thing I would say is, obviously, we've mentioned his transition. We haven't also mentioned that when Doug came to Basingstoke, a lot of the players already knew, uh, sorry, when Doug came from Basingstoke, a lot of the players already knew Dean Skins, who was in net the net before, uh, the season before even. I can't even get a sentence out now. But those, those players had either played with Dean perhaps in Bracknell before or they played with Dean in Basingstoke and they knew Dean. There needs to be a very tight bond and understanding between the defence and the, the goaltender to know what the goaltender expects you to play, what the goaltender expects to play himself, to know where the goaltender expects you to be positioning and to know, like, you know, what you should go for, what he should go for. And let's not forget, Adam came in here as an unknown to the Bracknell Bees defence, and it did take a little while for them all to gel together. But by the end, the defenceman knew what their role was, Adam knew what his role was, and it clicked. As his form came together, that bond and that understanding between the defensive core and Adam also clicked as well, which helped the Bees be one of the form teams in the run-in before, sadly, it was curtailed. Yeah, indeed. So, Adam's back next season. Looking forward to seeing him back in the Bees colours next year. I cannot wait to see uh, how that one's going to work for him. As you say, it really completes a 
real solid start to the signing season for Doug Shepard with Dominic Goodbye, uh, Roman Malenik, James Galazzi and Adam Goss already signed up. And I'm sure more to follow very soon as well. Right. Certainly fair. We quickly wrap up some of the other news from across the league. There has been uh, glad to say a couple of signings after last week's quiet week. We're beginning to pick it up a little bit. Uh, so down the road in Hampshire, uh, Ashley Tate has announced he'll be returning for a third season as player head coach of the Basingstoke Bison. Jonathan Kirk will be making it back to the whole Pirates as well. Obviously the brother of uh, NHL draftee Liam Kirk and uh, looking forward to seeing Jonathan back there. A very sturdy defenseman in Peterborough, one that just slipped through the radar last week before we got to, uh, before, uh, after we recorded. Will Weldon returning for, I believe, his testimonial year. It might be his ninth year. It's one of the two. And Jordan Marr also signing on a two-year deal with the Phantoms as well. Whilst our big rivals down at the in Romford have Sean Easton announcing he'll be returning to coach the Raiders as well. So a bit more busyness across the league, and I'm sure it'll be busy as the week rolls on as well. Well, the other thing is, of course, the weekend just gone would have been Coventry. So regardless of what's happened now, the season would have been closed now anyway. So I think you'll see uh, teams are far happier now. And I'm not saying anybody who announced beforehand, because we did as well, not saying anybody who announced beforehand was wrong, but I think you'll find teams are far more happy now to start rolling out the names as we are now in what would have been close season anyway. Um, and, you know, you and I both discussed, didn't we, who would be the first to announce a signing from another club? Well, it doesn't really matter now, does it? Because we're into close season, what would have been close season anyway. Um, now, I mean, the, the one that I'm picking out from there is Sean Easton's return to Romford because we've discussed this a few times now, and we've had battle after battle with the Raiders this season, and they were tough games. And on paper, you know, like, I mean, for us, we both picked, didn't we, Raiders players in our versus B's team. On paper, they are not the strongest team in the league. And I've said this before, and I got berated for it by the Raiders fans, who I think just listened to what half of what I said and then decided to go on the <laughs> offensive. On paper... They aren't the strongest team in the league. There is some great talent down there. But in terms of depth, if you look at rosters like Swindon and like Peterborough and like Telford, the depth is much, much, much stronger. What Sean Easton does, though, is he gets the best out of everybody. He has a system that works around the best of everybody available to him. And I said this at the time, and this was where I think I was cut off before I was like, you know, shot down by the Raiders fans in flames. The Raiders, full credit to Sean Easton and to the team themselves, play, in my opinion, hockey that is greater than the sum of their individual parts. And I think that's a big re-signing for, uh, for John Scott and the Raiders, the fact that they've got Sean Easton back, masterminding the plan for next season. Yeah, 100% agree with you. Easton is a, a really key role. He helps bring through so many of the guys there. And it really, look, they've got a core established there. They're able to maintain that core and just add the right elements to it. And as I read the... Um, the press release regarding Easton's return. And one of the big lines he said in there is, look, we, in terms of our play, we were there or thereabouts. What killed us was the amount of penalties we took. If we can reduce the amount of penalties we take, we take, but continue with the intensity of the play that we want to achieve. There's no reason in his mind why the Raiders can't be pushing up the season, uh, up the table. So it could be very, very interested to see how uh, Easton continues in his role at the Raiders as well. Right then. Um, Credit to him for his honesty there, because he could easily have hidden away behind 
we didn't have a goaltender for most of the season. In terms of their goaltending, it was a horrible year for them, having lost Michael Gray early on, having then lost Greg Blaze. And as it turns out, Ethan James has sprung up from that and put his hand up to be a good starting goaltender. Sean Easton could easily have said, well, you know what, we were there or thereabouts, and if we'd had our choice of goaltender all season long. Instead, he was honest and just said, look, we were there or thereabouts, but our penalty minutes killed us. Um, not only are you obviously at risk, greater risk of conceding a goal while you are shorthanded, you're also fatiguing greater the four bodies that are out there skating than you would be if there was five. So even if you get through a penalty kill without conceding, what you have done is you've taken a little bit extra from the energy tank from each of those players as well. And that's why it's so key to watch your discipline, because even if you can, if you're a good penalty killing unit, it does take extra, extra energy out there because you've got four players trying to cover the space that five would normally be, therefore obviously expending extra energy. And maybe when it comes down to the last minute or two, if you've had to go out there and kill a lot of penalties, that extra energy that you've spent is just going to take away the massive spring in the step that you need to bang home a game-winning goal. So full credit to Sean Easton, who has come out and been honest about the penalty minutes, where he could easily... I've just said, look, it was down to goaltending. We didn't have a goaltender for most of the season. Yeah, no, full credit to him, as you say, for being completely open and completely honest on that. And to be fair, it's all he can do with it. Um, so be interested to see how they change that. We know sometimes teams that reduce the intensity can sometimes uh, see a real difference in how teams play against them. So one to look forward to there. Right. Obviously, we've, it should have been Coventry weekend. So you begin to see the uh, inevitable handing out of the awards. And there's been a variety of uh, presentations that have been virtually made on this front on the national level. I'm going to begin with the NIHL stats guys who utilize a, uh, a formula of Bill James's game score calculation, which uh, Bill James, for those who don't know, big sabermetrics man uh, has across baseball, basically revolutionized how baseball's done. He's done a little bit of work on hockey as well. And as a result, they've done a sheet for the lines of the season. There are four lines here that I'm going to be rolling through. Uh, there's a, if you go to at NIHL stats on Twitter, that will tell you how the positive and negative impact. So you can see maybe why players are where they are and maybe why they're not. So first line, then this is the this is the number one line. Uh, and to qualify for this as well, a player must play 25 percent of the season for their team. So on the first line, you've got uh, Rennie Marr in there with Tom Norton and Ben Morgan on D with Aaron Nell, Jason Hewitt and Thomas Malazinski on the forward line. Your second line then is Brad Day in net with Lee Jamieson on D and Ross Kennedy. Good to see Lee Jamieson up there. Actually, I felt he had some of his more impressive performances I've seen in recent years this year. And then a forward line of uh, Alesh Padalek, Chris Jones from Swindon and Scott McKenzie from Telford. Then on the third line, you've got Adam Jones and Jonathan Kirk from Hull on D with Martin Susters, Edgars Bebris and James Ferrara on the forward line. And then finally, just four, just three forwards to complete the lineup, as you would expect. Ashley Tate, Liam Stewart and Lee Bonner. So no Bees players making that lineup. I think uh, some way the, the negative impacts of goals against and penalty minutes, I think, have uh, um, affected the Bees players from making it into that lineup. But uh, yeah, quite an interesting way of reading it, I think it's fair to say. Well, we discussed this when we discussed backup goaltenders a few weeks back. Statistics are wonderful, but they're also uh, easy to manipulate. And you can kind of read a statistic however you like. 
um, which I guess, therefore, is why perhaps B's players were excluded from that uh, statistical modelling, picking out those lines. But in terms of looking at them, I mean, I don't really think you can disagree with any of the players that have made it, um, you know, like with my with my B's hat on, I would say, why is there no place for Dominic Goodbye? But it's down to statistical modelling. However, it's down to statistical modelling. Dominic Goodbye came in and boom, he made an impact. He has brilliant points with him. I guess, though, it just comes down to goals against. I don't know exactly the stats that the NIHL stats guys have got uh, and that they are basing it on, but, you know, congratulations to their award winners. Indeed. So they did actually hand out some awards as well. So the National Under-21 Player of the Year was Martin Sisters. Obviously, we've spoken about Martins before making it into uh, our All-Star team. 70 points over 47 games, had a team-high 36 points for the Phantoms, of which seven were game-winning goals as well. The Regional Player of the Year, this is quite a fascinating one for me, Rennie Marr of the Swindon Wildcats, taking home the National Player of the Year trophy. Mm. Uh, and But didn't win Netminder of the Year, that went to Christian Cole in the league below. But Forward of the Year, overall, across all the leagues in the NIHL, Aaron Nell, 100 points, 48 goals and very little time in the box. And I think that's where little things like that help. Good goal against average, not many penalty minutes mean that you're going to statistically err yourself a little bit higher on that front because there were the official EIHA, EIHA awards. Thank goodness me there isn't the Ice Hockey Journalist UK ones anymore because they were always uh, a shambles, to put it very politely. They were fun <laughs> to read, weren't they? They were fun to read, you know. You, I remember reading those thinking... Well, how many of these games have they actually watched? Absolutely none of them. It was um, awful. It was yeah. awful. I hated those. It, 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 by the end, they sorted it out for like the last couple of years, but for a couple of because what for those of you who don't know, basically in the Ice Hockey Journalist UK, you just got a voting slip. No matter if you're an elite league guy, if you were an EPL guy, NIHL, what BNL, whatever you were, you got a voting slip and could vote across all leagues. So say you're um Bob Westerdale up in Sheffield, you only watch the Sheffield Steelers you could still vote on what happened in the EPIHLs and you'd go, well, I've got a vote. I'm just going to go to the stats charts and I can see, oh, he's got good stats. I'm going to put him in and maybe it didn't accurately reflect. By the end, they basically said to some of the journalists, look, if you don't report on that league, you don't get a vote. So, full credit. Yeah. That makes sense, doesn't it? Like, how can you vote on something you've not seen? Well. Yeah, this guy looks good on his stats. Yeah, but that... Well, they never seen him, don't even know but who sadly, he is. That sadly, that's what happened far too often. Yeah. So they did a short list and then rolled it down to a netminder defenseman and forward. Netminder of the year then, Sam Gospel for the Leeds Chief. Hasn't been mentioned much around. Um, and I think that's possibly from our side a little bit. I don't think Sam, unfortunately, was injured in one of the games against us. And uh, in other games, he got slightly lit up as well because I think the defence went a little bit walky. But I don't think there's any doubt that some of the results that the Chiefs had during the season would have been much worse for him and also some of the wins wouldn't have happened without him as well uh, defence wise Tom Norton winning the award I think that's kind of a a, a very good choice he was coming up in well we both picked him. yeah he was coming did you pick him up? I remember yeah, I you, did. no did you I, I, well? I don't know yeah. I took him out um, but he would oh, you took him but out, he was yeah. close he was extremely close mm. on that front like and he, he crocked up yeah. in a lot of people's all-star ones and then forward of the year who also won the player of the year vote 
Jason Hewitt for the lead uh, for the uh, Hull Pirates nearly going to upset half of Yorkshire there with that one there. Um, <laughs> just doing very well to annoy all Northerners today. Uh, but uh, yeah, Jason Hewitt, obviously top point scorer in the league with 101 points. Only played 43 games. Uh, yeah, as you'd expect from Jason. Since he's come into that whole team and turned them into this ultra-attacking force, his numbers have gone through the roof as he's really been a driving force behind the Hull Pirates being a great success. When you say turn them into, and I, I hate to harp back to this or not, is it that he has a choice or does he not have a choice? Because let's be honest, the Hull Pirates are likely to concede more than perhaps they should. Therefore, in order to win, he has to have an offensive-minded team, doesn't he? Because he has to have the players around himself that are going to contribute offensively so they can win games by scoring more goals than perhaps their goal against average should be, if you get what I'm saying, without getting no, too No, I, I, I get, I get well. entirely what you're saying. I think... I don't want to say anything because you picked him. No, but. no, I, th- I think I think you're right in what you're saying, though, in that they, they have realised they have to play a slightly more offensive approach because, look, we're going to ship a few goals. We're going to have to accept we're going to ship a few goals. But you know what we can do in the meantime is we can put up the points to make sure that it's mm. it's not quite the old Tony hand, I'm going to score one more than you, because I do think yeah. Hull are a little bit... Most coaches will build from the back, though, won't they? Most coaches will have their net minder in mind and their defence, and they'll build from the back and they'll back themselves to score more than they concede. I think certainly there is a massive emphasis on that. And I think possibly Jason is building from the front backwards, thinking we have to score more than we concede rather than we will score more than we concede the way I've got it. I think Jason's thinking we have to be loaded offensively because as you say, they're going to ship more goals than they should. And if you were to make one swap in there with all that offensive firepower they've got as well, boy, would they be a force to be reckoned. And is that just a change in the way from the um, from the regionalised con- uh, regionalized competitions that we had the previous two seasons rolling into the national this year? Because from Hull's point of view, they've been up near the top in both those seasons when they were in the regionalised content. Yeah. Then they've moved into the um, they've moved into the the national league and they are slap bang mid table. Well, forget they moved in, they moved in as well as playoff yeah, champions. Yeah, they moved in as triple Having winners, won at triple winners before. technically. Uh, so yeah, and maybe yeah. it's just so, the change you know, in league. It works for them, doesn't it? It does work for them. Uh, but the thing is, though, there's a lot of teams that can run with that as well. There are a lot of good goaltenders in the southern end of the table that the Pirates wouldn't have been facing last year that can do a little bit more to shut that down than previously. But I just, I don't know. It's just a strange model to me in that it's almost like we just have to score. We absolutely have to score. I mean, you can win a hockey game 1-0. You don't need to win it 10-5. You can win a hockey game 1-0. Up in Hull, it just seems all right, well, we know that we may let two, three, four in. We'll just have to score four, five, six in order to win. And it's just, I don't know, a little bit of a strange model for me. I've, I've, always, I've always watched coaches, I guess, go for a solid defense and build forward from that, knowing that we have enough to score more than we concede rather than, well, we're happy to concede a few and we will just have to bang in more goals than we let in. It's it's a strange view. I, 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 just, but talk sorry, of, go on. No, you go. go. 
No, no, you can no, no. Go I'm as I say, I'm, I'm going to be curious to see how it plays out into the next season. Is it mm. going to be look, we're going to just roll the dice and go with it more like this, and maybe maybe the hand is forced, obviously a little bit. I mean, they did make during the middle of last season they start bringing in Stephen Chalmers, who's one of the first re-signings they've made this season. Already bringing Jonathan Kirk back, who's a steady D man as well. Like you look at yeah. the D that they have of Kirk, Kevin Phillips, if he goes again. Uh, Chalmers, Jamie Chilcott, who missed a big part of last season through injury. That's a fairly decent core four there that you can you can start laying the pieces with. And I appreciate that there is the concern of what's behind, but it, it, it's kind of, okay, the D is now maybe as solid as they're going to make it. They're probably not going to be able to make mm. it too much stronger. As you say, the big change will be, can they change up? Can they change that net minding and make it stronger? And, and will actually continue to develop. Will they? I guess not can they. Of course they can. There are netminders around. Of course they can. It's will they that is the uh, the tricky question there. On the subject of these awards, taking nothing away from Jason Hewitt and his uh, fantastic season, and again, with my bees hat on, who has been the most impactful player since they arrived in this league? Where is Dominic Gabay even on the shortlist? Even if you don't take the award away from Jason Hewitt because of the fantastic season that he's had, why did Dominic Gabay not make the shortlist? Possibly the most impact. Well, I'm not actually. I'm taking that possibly away. The most impactful player since he arrived here in Bracknell. Teams have struggled all season long to shut him down. The impressive defence of the Peterborough Phantoms got undressed by him twice in one game. Teams really struggled against him, and yet he didn't even make the top three shortlist. It's a, it's a very, um, it's a very interesting one. That one, and uh, I think I know there's been a lot of debate and a lot of discussion. It'd be interesting to see. Uh, as ever, I'm not, I'm not too keen on uh, the, the reasons needing to be presented for it. I feel that. Mm. People have their way of voting. People have their way of putting the shortlist together. People look for different things in different players. You can easily argue that Liam Stewart made Milton Keynes turn away from being a bottom nine team to being where they finished in the league. Actually, there was a lot more. Milton Keynes had a lot of injuries at the start of the season. They always should have had it clicking. And really, if I'm honest with you, with better coaching would have been much higher up that table as well. Um, so uh, there's plenty to debate there, I think. Uh, but mm. at the end of the day, I'm quite happy for award ceremonies to, and, and awards like this to create a bit of debate and to create a bit of conversation because, hey, it's what it should be. We've all got our opinions on who's great, who's not. We the, the, Certainly like Jason Hewitt, I think he shone for about 40 minutes against us this season in all the games. But for other teams, I know that he there's no there's a reason why he's put up 101 points. He must be absolutely running the game in other in other opposition against other opposition. So and it's the same with any Telford players that I've seen walk up and collect awards. I've been sat there and I've gone, yes, but against us in the four games I saw, sorry, three games I saw, we we match them stride for stride. Mm. Yeah, that's the reason why. Yeah, yeah. It's just funny, isn't it? It's just funny, isn't it? Like you know. Just taking that one step further, when you look at, say, like us versus the Raiders, we struggled. And yet you look at us versus Swindon, and we didn't. You know, we had like a, a far better season against Swindon. I guess it's just different, isn't it? Different teams will fare better against different teams. 
different players, therefore, will fare better against different teams because of the way they play the game. And I guess some coaches and some players will be better at shutting down other players than other teams are. Maybe it's just that we did very well and we managed to shut down Jason Hewitt, where against other teams, he managed to break free and do what he can do. Hence why he finished up with a bag load of points. Yes, yeah, it's so true. It really is. It, it's a conundrum, isn't and it? it? Hopefully it's one that never gets solved because it's all good fun. Uh, right then, Mark, have you got anything else for this week? I told you it could be a short one. It is going to be a short one now, isn't it? It's going to be a short one. Like, I feel I must bring something up now because we've still got like an hour. Well, we've still got <laughs> no. hour but we're not going to hit the no, hour. It's, it's a bite. We're not going to it's a bite-sized piece for everybody this week. So, Mark, how can everybody stay up to date with all the latest to do with the TSI World Bracknell Bees? Well, BracknellBees.com is our website. And as you would have seen across our social media, we have been quite active over the last few days, announcing player signings, announcing awards and all that. If you want to connect with us on social media, you're very welcome to. Facebook and Twitter are both Bees Ice Hockey. And if you're on Instagram, it's the Bracknell Bees. Indeed. Right then, just before we completely wrap up for this week, obviously want to pass on our best thoughts to all of the Baird, the Baird family following the news that uh, Christine Baird, a devoted wife, mum, nanny and diehard hockey fan, uh, sadly passed away uh, the other week. Uh, I'm sure it's been a tough time for the Baird family, but I know so many people have been reaching out to them and so many people have been uh, offering their support to them. Bees fans can also help uh, step up because we'll be holding a raffle to win a Brendan Baird number 75 jersey. It is one of the game jerseys from last season that would have been one of the shirt off the back prizes had the season run to its scheduled conclusion. But instead, the uh, the sports club are helping us in running a virtual raffle for it where it will be £2 tickets with all the money raised going to the chosen charity of the Baird family, which in consultation with Brendan will be donated to the Countess Mountbatten Hospice Charity uh, which is the hospice which cared for Christine towards the end. Tickets for the draw are £2 each and there is no minimum spend. Tickets can be bought bought sorry via email to becky, B-E-C-C-I, at bracknellbees.com. That's becky, B-E-C-C-I, at bracknellbees.com. And the winner will be announced in a live draw next Saturday at 7pm. But obviously, most importantly of all, all of our thoughts and our best wishes do go out to the Baird family. Just to echo everything that you said, horribly, horribly sad news as well. And coming at this difficult time as well, it does make it even more difficult for the, the family to get together and uh, to to grieve, to mourn. It's so, so, so sad news at an incredibly difficult time as well. So my thoughts along with yours go to, to Joe, uh, to Brendan, to Ron and to, to all the friends and family. Bees Radio Network. BracknellBees.com.